welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good evening, friends. Welcome to Ash Wednesday. Uh, in your hands, you should have, if you don't, um, I have some, and there are some in the back, but there are uh, these pieces of paper. And uh, as we thought about Ash Wednesday and kind of what we wanted to do, uh, we begin the journey of Lent tonight, and we will spend the next four to five weeks in this season as we make our way to Easter. And as you know, um, many people um, choose to do something intentional during the season of Lent, and that is often a very individual choice. Um, this Lent, I am attempting to abstain from alcohol, uh, something that I've done for the last few years with different variations, but that's my personal um, invitation that I sense God asking or inviting me to, to sort of walk out this Lent. So these pieces of paper in your hand, um, we'd love to invite you to sort of think about this question, um, what is the invitation of Lent for you this year? And it may be to abstain from something it may be to add something to your life. It may be altogether different, and that's totally fine. But we want to invite you to consider writing, what is the invitation for you for Lent this year? And later in the gathering, um, when you come, if you choose to uh, receive ashes, there is a pot here in the middle, and we'll invite you to put those pieces of paper in that pot. And um, some of our artists in our community are going to take these and sort of create something that will be in the gallery for the duration of Lent. So as you come throughout this season, um, you will see not only what you are being invited to, but what your fellow brothers and sisters in our community are being invited to walk out and walk in, um, which I think is a really com it's, feels very comforting to me to know that I'm not just doing this by myself. It is for me, but it's also us. Um, so that's what's in your hand. Um, if you don't have one, grab one if you'd like. Um, and invite you to participate tonight as you see fit. If you want to use the kneelers, there will be space for that a little later. If you want to spread out in the room, I actually kind of love these gatherings when the room's not full because <laughs> um, we can just kind of use the space as we want. So the prayer space is open. Um, there are markers in there, and you can write on the walls if you didn't know that. So feel free to use that. Stand, sing, don't sing, um, whatever you need this evening. Um, I want you to feel invited to do that. So would you join me in prayer, and we'll begin. God, we begin with just a deep breath. we recognize that even the, the air in our lungs is not given, it's not entitled to us, but that in some mysterious way, the Christ, which has been present from the beginning, holds everything together and sustains all living things, including me and my friends. And so we begin with breath and gratitude. And we open ourselves up to what you might have for us tonight. Not only tonight, but in this next season 
as we journey towards the cross and the crucifixion and ultimately resurrection. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't miss anything. Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear the ways in which you're moving and speaking and inviting so that we don't miss what you might have for us so that we can go all the way down so that we can come all the way back up. So Holy Spirit, here we are. Hineni. Would you speak that back to us tonight? And would you say, in the way that we need it, here I am. You can be seated. So this evening, uh, we want to kind of just take our time and... Um, I'm going to say a few words about Lent and historically where it comes from, um, why we think about, why we do this thing with ashes that we do, and then we're going to have some time for reflection, some quiet, um, and then an opportunity for you to come and receive ashes. So a little bit about Lent. Uh, as many of you know, this is connected to the season of Easter. It's traditionally the 40 days before Easter, not including Sundays. Uh, so in history, as, as it relates to Lent, Sundays was called feast day. So those who were abstaining from something during Lent would often uh, have a day to sort of celebrate and take a break from whatever they were abstaining from, known as feast day. It comes from a Latin word, uh, quadregsima which means the 40th day before Easter. And then sort of in the Middle Ages, that gets changed to this word that we call Lent, um, which is connected to this idea of spring and the days lengthening in spring. So Lent is uh, this practice. And traditionally, there were three things that were connected to Lent. There was, the, uh, there was prayer, so this idea of directing our attention towards God. There was uh, fasting or abstaining from something, sort of this inward motion where we attend to the things of our heart. And then almsgiving, which was an outward expression. So there was you know, all three of the directions of our, our intentions towards God, our intentions towards ourselves and our own journeys, and then outward towards others. And so in Lent, we journey towards something that we anticipate is coming. It's sort of this intentional creation of space and focusing uh, our heart and our bodies and our souls on what is coming, um, sometimes the reordering of our hearts to ready it for something, which of course is Easter and resurrection. Um, but like, why is this important? Uh, I, I've come back to this passage in Exodus 24, I think every Lent that I've ever led, and I think it's worth coming back to. And it's this moment in Exodus 24 when Moses is invited by God to come up on the mountain. And um, I think the, we've got the, the text there. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. But what's interesting is in the original language, the way it's phrased, come up to me on the mountain and stay here, is essentially come up on the mountain and be on the mountain. Which is a bizarre 
phrase and translators don't know what to do with it. Uh, And so it gets translated a whole bunch of different ways. But God essentially says to Moses, come up with me on the mountain and then be on the mountain. Which, like, if you go up on the top of the mountain, like, where will you be? Like, not a trick question, right? You'll be on the mountain. But I think we all recognize the possibility of being somewhere physically, but not necessarily being somewhere totally, right? Like, we can be somewhere with our bodies, but not with our spirits or not with our souls. Um, As a dad, I've had this experience before where I've come home from work, and early on when my kids were younger, they would, you know, be so excited to see me that has changed drastically. <laughs> now I'm like, today I, we went up to Pachaman Terrace as a, as a staff and we were gone for like three days, you know, I'm like up in the woods by myself, not talking to anybody. And I come home and I'm like, hey, dad's home. And it's like, crickets. You know, I'm like banging on walls. Is anyone home? It used to be when I would come home, they would like come running to the door, dad, dad, dad. And there was this one experience that I remember, uh, unfortunately, but where, you know, they, they and it took a, a good partner to, to show me this, but my name was said like three, four, five times, dad, 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 before I was like, oh, right? Like my body was there, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean? And I wonder if there isn't something about in this passage that God knows about us that we can like be somewhere, but not really be somewhere. And so Lent in some ways is an, an invitation to be here to come up on the mountain and to be on the mountain. To not be somewhere else, to not be distracted by whatever it is. And so there's this intention that's given to this season in this journey to really be present to it so that we can experience it for all that it's worth. And not that there's pressure on that, that we have to not miss anything, but can we ready our hearts in a way that we can receive and respond to what God might be inviting us to So why ashes? Um, For thousands of years, people have been coming and taking these ashes and putting them on their foreheads. Like, what is that? Um, Traditionally, in the ancient Near East, this is connected to mourning and grieving. So in the Old Testament, the prophets would sort of clothe themselves with sackcloth and ashes, which was this posture and and outward expression of an inward reality, of of penitence and repentance and of of brokenness. Um, Maybe most most specifically, repentance. Um, And so for hundreds, thousands of years, Christians have been doing this, but I want to maybe just add a couple of thoughts to that. Um, Maybe some of you will come tonight and you'll receive ashes, and maybe you've done this before, but like, what is that? What is in that? Um, So a few thoughts on that before we do. Uh, The first of which is, from ashes you came. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, read this. Um, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had appeared on the earth and no plant had yet been sprung. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And then the Lord God formed man, formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God formed the first human from dirt, 
the scripture tells us. And ashes and dust remind us that it's from this that we've come. That it's God who breathes the breath of life into us. We do not sustain ourselves. You do not sustain yourself. That's a gift. We're not self-made beings. We have an origin and a creator. There was, a, there was one point in time when I was not. I remember in college this one experience where, uh, has anyone ever been birch bending before? Birches, they, they grow really tall and skinny, and if you climb up them before they get really big, as you climb up, as you get to the top, they begin to bend. And you can climb like 20, 30 feet up in the air on a birch tree if it's not too, too thick, and actually it begins to bend, and you can sort of bend yourself like all the way back down to the ground, and then you let go. It's called birch bending. So we tried it. We were on, a, we were on the side of a mountain in Colorado, and, you know, the mountain is, goes like this, and the birch tree goes like this. And so I decide to climb this birch tree. Up, up, up I went. So as you can imagine, as it begins to bend, I'm not just, like, as far from where I began, because now I'm down the mountain. And so I'm on this tree, and it starts to bend, and it starts to bend, and then it snaps. And it was, thankfully, it had snowed, and so there was, I didn't, like, land on, on rocks or anything. But when I came to the ground, I was lying on my back, looking up into the the, the sky, and I looked to my right, and what I realized was there was a, a like a, a broken um, shard of another tree that was literally between my abdomen and my arm as I'm laying on the ground, which six inches over in like sayonara, awaken doesn't exist, <laughs> right? Like, have you ever had one of those moments when your own life flashes before your eyes? Like, there was a moment when you were not. And ashes, this tradition of ashes reminds us that, like, that's, that's what we come from. Like, we weren't at one point, but now we are. So from ashes we come, and ashes we will return. Genesis chapter 3 says this in verse 17. The Adam, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife, aha, uh, I know, um, and ate from the tree, uh, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you, though through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. I think, I don't know when this tradition began, but for hundreds of years, Priests and pastors have said this, from dust you came and dust you will return. And there's this sense that there is death that's coming to these bodies. And Lent, in some ways, is a reckoning. It is a pausing and a stopping and a realization that, it, that this idea of death will come to me. Which seems a bit morbid in our culture, right? As Americans, we don't like to think about that. We, we go on our lives living as if we're not going to die. I watch a lot of golf on Sunday afternoons, which means I take a lot of naps. But inevitably, there is always a commercial for like anti-aging creams. You know what I mean? These things that come up and... Which essentially the message is like you can prolong the inevitability of your death. Like we can sort of stop time for a moment and, and, and push back the tide. But inevitably, we all know that it doesn't work. We keep getting older. 
And so we need the ashes of Lent to remind us because I think in some ways we live like we're never going to die. But it's the most certain thing that will happen to any of us. Ashes remind us that death will come to us all, which makes us ask the question, like, who have we become and who are we becoming? One author says, you get one wild and precious life. And it is just that. But Lent is this invitation, this moment, this season to say, let's stop and pause for a moment and remember that this thing we call life is a gift and it is ours right now. But at some point, it won't be. And there's beauty in both life and death. And the ashes of Lent remind us that resurrection necessitates death. I don't know if you ever, if you've thought about this before, but like we talk about resurrection as Christians, like it's the whole point of the story, Jesus is resurrected from the dead, but if you want to be resurrected, you have to die first. You can't get resurrection if you don't die, it's like antithetical. One of my favorite authors says it this way, he says, what we hear during Lent is the power and the possibility of the paschal mystery, and that the way of the cross, the way to Easter is through death. To appropriate the new life that is beyond the power of death means we must die with Christ who was raised for us. To live for Christ, we must die with him. New life requires a daily surrendering to the old life, letting go of the present order so that we may embrace new humanity. I die every day, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. Resurrection necessitates death as a preceding act. The church's peculiar Lenten claim is that in dying we live. That all who are baptized into Christ are baptized into his death. To be raised with Christ means one must also die with Christ. And in order to embrace resurrection, we must experience the passion of Jesus. The way of the cross, the way to Easter, is through the death of the old self. And in dying, we live. This is the mystery and the paradox of the Christian story. That death is necessary for anything to be resurrected. And in dying, we live. So, a natural question as we come to Lent is what needs to die? Are there any patterns, any ways of relating, any habits, any defaults that need to die? So that something else might be born in its place. Are there any invitations that you sense from the divine this Lent. So from dust you came, dust you will return. Resurrection necessitates death. And lastly, I would say this. As Lent is often a sobering moment in the calendar, I would say that we are not alone. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 25, read this way. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. What is that like, to be 
totally vulnerable and naked and feel no shame. Um, many of you know Brene Brown. She has written and, and researched a lot on this topic, and she set out to sort of study connectivity among humans, and what she found was that we're hardwired for connection, that humans physiologically, neurologically, our bodies are made for connection, and so this story of the first humans in the scriptures is quite profound, that Adam and Eve experienced the ultimate connection in Eden. They were naked, and they felt no shame. What Brene Brown finds in her research is that what's what kills human connection is fear and shame. Fear and shame are the root of what drives us apart as humans, and what are we more afraid of than being alone? For thousands of years, Christians have come and received ashes, and they then leave these places of worship, and they go to the grocery store, and they go to the pub down the way, and I don't know if you, I didn't grow up in a Catholic church or in a liturgical church, so I always wondered, like, what, what happened to those people, you know? Like, I would, I would see them, and they'd have things smudged, and I was like, what? Dude, you got something on your face. And I'm just now beginning to realize that, like, these ashes say something. And so as you leave tonight, and you see others with ashes on their forehead, is it possible that those ashes say, like, me too? That we're in this together. That we, you, are not alone. In whatever it is that you're journeying in, as individual and as isolated as it may feel, there are others who walk it with you and are in it with you. That we are not alone. And that if we are made for connection, at least, possibly, these ashes remind us of the fact that we're not alone. So as you come for ashes this evening, I want to invite you to consider those ideas that from dust we've come and dust we will return, that resurrection necessitates death, that there is a dying in order that we might live, and that as we do that, as individual as that may feel, that we come and we do it together. So if you came in late before we started or after we did the little introduction, there are pieces of paper that you may have seen in the back or maybe you have in your hands. Um, I want to invite you in the next few moments um, to, to respond. What is it that God is inviting you to this Lent? Uh, in just a moment, um, John Sunday is going to play and sing a song that he's written for Lent uh, for us tonight. And... Uh, and then there's going to be kind of an extended period of response time. So there'll be music playing, but you're welcome to move around the room if you need to. If you want to use the kneelers, you're welcome to do that. Um, but the chorus of this song is, I, I want to sort of, I want to point it out to you so that when you hear it, uh, you know what's being said or can hear it in a deeper way. The chorus says, if the fear comes back, if love is what you lack or anything at all, please don't go. I understand. As we begin this journey of Lent and this season, and we enter into this time of response and maybe confession, maybe a time of reckoning and of honesty, if the fear comes back, if the shame comes back, if the voices start speaking, if you feel a lack or anything at all, may we hear the divine say, please don't go.
Don't hide. The first question in Scripture is, where are you? To the first humans who hid. Please don't go. Stay. Be here. And know that it is this God who is divine, who is love, who is the ultimate expression of that, who is present for us and with us. So if the fear comes back and if love is what you lack or anything at all, please don't go. So hear this song. Um, Then there'll be an extended period of time for response and for quiet. And then I'll return and say a few words about ashes and we'll invite you to receive those. Dark my passport out When I read your dark refrain Paris on a plane And it only takes an evening Till the sun comes back again The sun comes back again You sweet elegant way You would write and we'd drink wine Smiling through the haze We would fall apart in the most fashionable ways Most Love is what you like or anything at 
please don't go I understand If the fear comes back If love is what you like Or anything at all Please don't go
all those days you felt like dust, like dirt. As if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the day that we freely say we are scorched. This is the hour we are marked by what has made it through the burning. This is the moment we ask for the blessing that lives within the ancient ashes, that makes its home inside the soil of the sacred earth. So let us be marked not for sorrow. Let us be marked not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are, but for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made and the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside the smudge that we bear. I invite you to come and receive ashes if you'd like. I invite you to come from the side aisles, and Jenna and I will be down here. As you come, if you'd like to leave your Lenten invitation, you're welcome to do so. As we do, we'll sing. You can sing, you can pray. Stay as long as you like. And after a bit, I'll come and close us, but I invite you to come and receive ashes. As you go tonight, know that you've been given the gift of life. To breathe it in and experience it all the way down to the bottom of your toes. And know that this is a gift. So live it. Live it with all intention, with all love, and all life. And as you journey towards death, I pray that you would know the comfort of God, that you would know the Emmanuelness of God, the withness of God. And in your death, you would know that the hope of resurrection comes for all that die in Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stay as long as you'd like or need. And if you, if, as you leave, please leave quietly um, so we can retain the space for folks who stay. Thanks for coming.
Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.